Let's look this morning in the word of the Lord and the gospel according to St. Matthew. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles and the gospel according to St. Matthew. And I want to read a few verses from this, uh, from this gospel this morning and from this chapter in chapter number three. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles. And I want to preach about a character in the Bible that is one of the greatest in the word of the Lord. And I'm not the one that says that. The scripture says that. And Jesus said that, that he was the greatest born of a woman. And he said, nevertheless, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And I may take time later to explain more about that. But may it be simple to say that uh, he is the last Old Testament prophet, though his ministry recorded in the New Testament. And after he is gone, Jesus comes on the scene since he is the forerunner to Christ. And uh, those who are born again have something in their lives, in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and something in their lives, and having lived on this side of Calvary, knowing about the, and having recorded in hindsight, the death, the burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, that John the Baptist only looked forward to and eagerly anticipated. And we can look back and say, praise God, he has done what he promised that he would do. And so that's why he said that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We are in that kingdom of heaven. We are part of that eternal kingdom that was purchased with the blood of his own son. And uh, in, though we are in ourselves no measurement by any means to this great man, John the Baptist, but the blood of Christ makes the difference for us. And we are grateful for his blessings. John the Baptist is our topic today in our message. If you'll look with us in the book of Matthew chapter 3 and beginning in verse number 1, if you're able and willing to, to stand with us, I would invite you to do so and we'll reverence the reading of the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 3 and in verse number 1, the word of the Lord says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye... For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he, speaking of Jesus, or speaking of John, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Now that would fit in real well in all of our fellowship meetings and down there at the pastor's breakfast and so forth on Monday morning, wouldn't it? The same John had his raiment of camel's hair. And we're not talking about one of them nice camel's hair coats like Brother Randy, you know, brags on. Uh, this camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins. And his meat was locusts. And wild honey, you can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while I read the word of the Lord. I'll not cover everything in the life of John the Baptist this morning, but I want to try to cover these four verses in the scriptures and talk a little bit about this character from the Bible, John the Baptist, and we may again re reference him and come back to him some in the message tonight. Now, John the Baptist is called this for being a baptizer. The Bible said he's the greatest born of a woman, according to our Lord's account in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, according to Luke chapter 1 and verse 15. I don't know how to explain all of that. I'm not certain that I know how to even wrap my mind 
around a man being filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. But that is what your Bible says in Luke 1 and 15. His preaching was predicted by Isaiah over 700 years before John the Baptist ever came to earth. Matter of fact, it's interesting. John the Baptist has told us about in the Scriptures in the 40th chapter in the 3rd verse, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Isaiah 40 and 3. And then the 40th book of the Bible is Matthew. The 3rd chapter is where we are and the voice of one crying in the wilderness is here. It is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 700 plus years beforehand. And God gave revelation to John the Baptist about who the Lamb of God was through the descent of the Holy Spirit like a dove on Him. He said, the one upon whom you see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, He it is that is uh, come to take away the sin of the world. And when before He baptized Him, He said, they looked up and saw Jesus coming unto Him. And He said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's John chapter 1 verse 29. One of the greatest verses in the Bible and is really the message of all salvation. John was a man that had wisdom like a serpent. John was a man that had courage like a lion. John was a man that had the boldness of a thief. John was a man that had the meekness of Moses. And he was a man that had the oratorical nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was so much like Jesus in his preaching that when Herod heard Jesus preaching after John's death, he thought it was John risen from the dead. Amen. And when he preached, he preached like Jesus preached. Amen. Oh, my friend, and Jesus endures the message of John the Baptist and the ministry of John the Baptist. And I'm not preaching on this part, but I'm going to tell it to you. I wrote it down while I was in Sunday school. Just sort of come to me here. Uh, Jesus endorsed John's ministry when it came to outreach. John's ministry outreach was to sinners. He dealt with sinners. It didn't matter how bad they were, how far gone they were, how far off they were. John dealt with sinners. He called for men to repent, to turn from themselves, to turn from their wicked ways, and to turn unto the Lord Jesus, to get things ready to meet the Lord. He dealt with sinners, and Jesus endorsed John's ministry. He endorsed John's ministry not only when it came to outreach, but when it came to outcry. Had my friend John the Baptist cried out against sin. John the Baptist cried out against Satan. John the Baptist cried out against self and stubbornness, and he called for men to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus endorsed John's ministry. When it came to outlook, John's outlook, when my friend was one that he saw a Savior. He said, there is one that is coming that is better than I am. He is preferred before me, and he was before me, and I'm not worthy to unloose his shoes. John's ministry was one that saw a Lamb of God. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The outlook is, look at him. They asked him in John 1, what do you have to say for yourself? He said, I have nothing to say for myself, but let me tell you about one that is preferred before me. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. His outlook was toward the, the Savior, the Lamb of God. His outlook was toward salvation that takes away the sin of the world. That's what his outlook was toward. Sin's going to be taken away. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. 
Amen. His outlook was toward the Spirit. He said, I indeed baptize with water, but there is one coming after me that is greater than I, whose shoe latch that I'm not worthy to unloose, and he will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And the fan is in his hand. His outlook was toward the Spirit of God. John the Baptist was full of the Spirit from his mother's womb, and yet he lived under the law before the Holy Spirit of promise was sent to indwell every believer. I don't know exactly all of what John had. I don't know all how it worked. I don't know how he was filled with the Holy Spirit the way that he was, in the dispensation that he was, and how that he was. But John the Baptist had something in him that the crowd around him did not have. And he said, one of these days when this one that's coming is done, all of you are going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Every one of you will know why I get so excited about this Jesus. Because what lives in me and has lived in me since I was in my mother's womb. He's going to live in each one of you and He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And you're going to have a fire burning inside of you. Holy Ghost have a fire. And not only that, He's got a fan in His hand. And once in a while when the fire gets down, He'll wave a little bit and blow that fire and get you stirred back up again. That's that Jesus that is coming. And this is the person that John the Baptist is. And he He's the one that Jesus endorsed his ministry and said that he's the finest, the greatest born of a woman. In our text this morning, we find really four things about John the Baptist that I want to capitalize on and speak about this morning. And I don't even have a few things about those things, just those four things. And as we get into them and preach about John the Baptist, you'll figure out that we probably couldn't handle things about those things anyway. John the Baptist was a man of God. He was a man sent from God, according to John chapter 1 man sent from God whose name was John and he was not sent to be that light but to bear witness of that light. That light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Brother Thomas read portions of that this morning in his opening in Sunday school. Jesus is the light but John came to bear witness of that light. And so there's really four things this morning we want to talk about with John. I want to talk about John's method, John's message, John's mission and John's mantle. John's method, his message, his mission, and his mantle. In verse number one, let's look at John's method this morning. The Bible said, in those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. I want to say John's method was one of preaching. John was a preaching man. His mark was not made in the corporate world. His mark was not made in the world of politics or in the realm of religious hierarchy. But his preaching shook those worlds. His manner was to reach men through the preaching of thus saith the word of the Lord. John the Baptist didn't hold picnics, race camels, have fundraisers, write books, or go on speaking tours to the largest coliseums in the Roman Empire. I don't criticize all of those things. But I want to tell you the greatest man ever born a woman pleased God by preaching what God gave to him. And that ought to tell us something and remind us of something in this day. While the fog of religion is so thick that you can hardly see what the purpose of the church and the believer is any longer. May we learn from John and get back to preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has not put me in the business of selling raffle tickets. God has not put the minister of the gospel in the business of having spaghetti suppers and fundraisers. 
and yard sales and garbage sales and garage sales. God has not put the preacher in the entertainment business or the nightclub business or the coffee shop business or in the business of pleasing everybody and everything. But God has put us in the preaching business. Amen. And may the Lord give us some men of God that will get back to having a ministry like John's where our method is the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 1 and 21 For after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Our ministry as ministers of the gospel is not to argue. It is not to debate. It is not to fuss. It is not to contend. But rather it is to declare the gospel of Christ. And to those who will receive it I will rejoice in that. Those who will embrace it I will rejoice in that. And for those who will refuse it I will dust. have to shake the dust off of my feet and move on to someone else who is interested in hearing the gospel. Amen. Oh, hear me. You want to argue fast? I'm pretty good at it. My nature is to want to argue, want to get into a debate. I want to fast. I don't do it. I would like to do it. I don't do it. It's not what God put me here for. That's not why that I am here. My friend, the gospel is not a plea. It is a proclamation. I am not trying to convince you of the gospel. I am declaring the gospel. You will accept it or refuse it and that's between you and God. And my friend, whether or not I preach it is between me and God. And I must preach that preaching which He has bidden me to preach. May God give us some men that will again do like John and get in the ministry of the preaching of the gospel. Oh, we're in such a day that men will say such things about preachers trying to give them compliments. Saying, well, you know, they're not much of a preacher, but they're a real good pastor. Hey, you know, they're really not much of a preacher, but they've got a strong ministry. These things are impossible. The most important thing a preacher can do is to preach. There is no other thing that is involved in his life that is of a higher importance than preaching the Word of God. Now, certainly a man can help himself by having a well-rounded nature, by being good with people, learning music, learning how to leadership qualities and these things. Oh, that's great. But when it comes right down to it, God didn't call me to sing and He didn't call me to babysit and He didn't call me to lead the shopping sprees to the Tanger Outlet Mall. He didn't call me, my friend, and put me in the ministry to take the kids to Six Flags. But He put me in the ministry to preach thus saith the word of the Lord. And there is nothing else that I will do on planet Earth while my heart beats than to preach the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no higher office, no higher calling, no higher purpose. And our preachers are so distracted with everything else that we have forgotten the most important thing for us to do is to preach the word of the Lord. John's method was
was preaching. Amen. The scripture said in those days came John the Baptist rolling a bus through town promoting his latest book and uh, selling uh, t-shirts and hats and albums and CDs. Oh no. It said in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness. You know why people went out to hear John? It was not because he had pretty women singing in the praise team. They didn't go out to hear John. My friend because that he was the most popular person in town. They didn't go out to hear John. My friend soothed their conscience. They went out to hear him because John was a leather long preacher that had the anointing of God on his life. And he came preaching. Hey Jesus said what did you go out in the wilderness for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Those were in king's houses. What would you go out to see? A reed shaking in the wind. What would you go out to see? Have a, my friend a, a man that had a soft message. A, a prophet. Yeah, I say to you more than a prophet. John the Baptist was a preaching man. We have so belittled the preaching office in this day that most people don't want to call themselves preachers who are supposed to be preachers. They want to call themselves elders, reverends, pastors, ministers, speakers, lay speakers, philosophers, motivational talkers, all sorts of things, but they don't want to be called a preacher. It's almost as if it were a derision to someone to be called a preacher. Well, look up in here this morning. You are looking at an old-fashioned hellfire and brimstone Bible belief and a two by four Baptist preacher had not ashamed to be called a preacher, not ashamed to be labeled as one of his. And I'll do nothing in my life more important than what I'm doing right now. And may God give us some young men in this generation, some young preachers in this generation that will realize preaching is more important than pacifying people, patting them on the back and patting their pockets. Oh, God, help us to get some that go back to the method of preaching the word of God. Amen, that's right. Hallelujah. Brother John said a while ago that you need to get up every morning and eat a bowl full. I don't give a rip. I'd get you uh, some gunpowder and mix it in with your Cheerios. I hadn't had Cheerios. I had gunpowder straight this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. How we need some men that have got back to preaching again. My friend, my people die for lack of knowledge. Jesus, the Bible said there'd come a time when there'd be a famine not of food nor of water. We're fat on the things of this world. But we're in a famine of hearing the word of God. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except he be sin? And my friend, these little fellows with their soft raiment and their, their picky fingers stuck up in the air. Oh, God help us. And their soft voices and their soft messages and their compromising ways are not preachers. And our people are dying because we need Holy Ghost feel. God called Bible believing, leather long, a sin denouncing preaching in this generation. Amen. That's exactly right. And what I'm preaching right about now is about as popular in this generation as a porcupine in a balloon factory. But we need it desperately. We need God to fill some men with the Holy Ghost. Give them the boldness of a lion. Amen. And send them forth to preach the word of God. It's so important we're supposed to pray for the Lord to do it. 
We are to pray the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth labors into the harvest. Is that not what Jesus said? We ought to pray for God to save some people and then to call them to preach and to fill them with the Holy Ghost. And when He does, instead of saying to the preacher, lighten up, we ought to say, God, put it on Him. Amen. And God, help us to pray for preaching. Amen. Hallelujah. Titus chapter 1 verse number 3 the Bible says but hath in these hath in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior oh my my somebody said but you don't have to be so bold and so loud and so much in my face I don't ever even come down amongst the pews let alone get in your face isn't it amazing how when I'm preaching the word of God with the John I folks will tell me that I'm in their face and I'm at least 10 feet away from the closest people in the building this morning. Amen. That's right. You know who's in your face? That militant lesbian crowd. That's the crowd that's in your face. That bunch of God deniers. They're in your face. Those that don't believe in creation. They're in your face. Amen. That's right. I tell you it's about time for the man of God to rise up and cry loud and spare not and be a preaching man again. Hallelujah. John 10 and 41. And many resorted unto him and said John did no miracle but all that John spake of this man were true. John didn't work miracles. John was not in the business of putting on a magician's act. And John just was in the preaching business. But they said we watched Jesus and everything John said about Jesus was right. Everything John said about Jesus was true. How that that's what preaching is about. It's not about lifting up yourself. It's not about bragging on yourself. It's about pointing men to Jesus. Everything he ever said about Jesus was true. God's witnesses need not work miracles. I don't have any Benny Hinn handkerchiefs to sell to you. I got some handkerchiefs, but they ain't no better than your handkerchiefs. Amen. Matter of fact, these two that's up here has been used a little bit this morning. Amen. You might not want them till they make a trip through the washing machine. Oh, but I'm telling you, I'm not selling handkerchiefs. And I'm not in the business of blowing on people, waving my coat out of my friend. Amen. Oh, God help us. The showmanship that has eaten up the ministry is just as devilish as the devil. Deadness that's eating it up. And I'm telling you, God has a way of working with His people, using them, using their personalities, their ways. And my friend, to communicate to the hearts of people that He does not need Hollywood evangelism, and He does not need showmanship, and He doesn't need clowns and jugglers and motorcycles. And my friend, it shows and puppets and all this to do it. What He needs is men of God with fire in their bosom and the Holy Ghost in their hearts and the word in their minds and a willingness to praise the word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if that's stronger medicine some of you wants to listen to, we just made it through about half a point number one. Amen. John the Baptist was a preaching man. John's method. John's method was preaching. And then I want to tell you, his method upset a lot of folks, but his message bothered people even worse. Amen. I mean, in verse number two, the Bible says, and he came through the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John's message was not about your best life now, how to influence friends or influence people, the power of positive thinking, name it and claim it, get rich quick, or how to become happy with who you are. His message was repent or perish. 
His message was turn or burn. His message was get right or get left. His message was turn from sin, Satan's sensual lust and stubborn will, and turn to the Savior of all men and do it now. Do it now. And that stills to be the message that the gospel preacher still preaches in this generation. Amen. Acts chapter 17 verse 30. The Bible said in the times of this ignorance God winked at but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. While men in pulpits all over the world today are trying to soothe men by telling everyone that they're okay. My friend as they are. The gospel preacher declares the need to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Listen to what I'm about to say and if I can say this in bold face italicize how and all caps I would this morning. Amen. You are not okay as you are. Are you listening to me this morning? You are not okay as you are. Our Jesus died for no purpose. He came to make something out of you that you are not. You'll first have to turn from who you are before you can ever be who God wants to make you be. If you were all right already, then Jesus had nothing to do when He came to planet Earth. He came to save you from who you are. I know that flies, I mean face first into the face of all diabolical, dialectical, secular humanism. But my friend, it's a fact. We spend all of our time trying to cause people to love themselves. They don't need to love themselves. They need to turn from themselves. Turn from their flesh. Turn from their sin. Turn to Jesus. And get right with God. Amen. It's exactly right. Positive thinking won't fix us. Getting right with God will fix us. Amen. Oh, you just need to feel better about yourself. You need to get right with God's what you need. Amen. My friend, hey, and I'm preaching right now a specific way how to get a specific effect. I'm going to tell you more about it in just a minute. You are not okay as you are. Amen. I remember when I started preaching early in my preaching life. I had some who came to me and said, uh, you know, people would like you better. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Folks would listen to you more and they would receive you better if you would quit saying you all the time and start saying we or some people. It's just too combative. It's, it points men out. It confronts where he is. And I remind you, that is the way preaching transpired in the Word of God. Verse number 2, And saying, the greatest man that's ever born a woman, that Jesus said was a preacher and more than a prophet, he said, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know why a lot of folks don't mind going day and night, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, year after year to some of these little churches and big churches. 
churches and whatever where the pastor's got on a turtleneck or wearing short breeches and walking around all the time and dancing and playing and whatever else because he don't ever say you. Amen. He said never says, hey, you need to get right with God. Hey, you are full of sin. You need to repent. You are going to go to hell if you don't get right with God. The Bible preaching says, repent ye. You know what Bible preaching does? It says you must be born again. You know what Bible preaching says? It says you need to get right with God. You need to be saved. You need to come to the Lord. You are going to go to hell if you don't get right with the Lord this morning. And now is that truth the same for me? Absolutely. And my friend, hey, but this morning, no need. All of us saying, well, everybody's the same. Everybody's in the same shape. And this morning, Holy Ghost preaching and Holy Ghost conviction makes it personal, points a finger at you and says, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. And Bible preaching says, quit worrying about everybody else and you get right with God. Hallelujah. Is anybody listening this morning? Hallelujah. Oh, my, my. And I know some of you think it'll probably about leaving, but you're afraid to. So just hang in here with us. Buckle your seatbelt. Hold on to your neighbor or something or other. And pray God and help you. Amen. Oh, you know what Bible preaching does? It says you must be born again. Bible preaching says you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain the Lord of glory. Bible preaching says you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do you. That's what Bible preaching is. Those are verses, by the way, from the scriptures in case you didn't know what that was. Hallelujah. The gospel message confronts us. And that's what people don't want. They don't want to be confronted. They don't want to be confronted with their sin. They don't want to be confronted with themselves. They don't want to be confronted with their sensual lust. They don't want to be confronted with their stubbornness. But Bible preaching, the gospel of the Bible, confronts us. The Bible preaching is not subtlety. That's the way Satan works. Satan works in subtlety. Satan works in simplicity. Satan works in tricks and psychology. Bible preaching is blunt, straightforward. Hits you square between the eyes. Points his finger in your face. That tells you the truth. Does not leave you to make excuses when you get to judgment day. And say, Lord, if I'd only, if I'd only understood, if I'd only known better, I'd have done differently. Bible preaching leaves you standing before God and saying, I heard the message. I'm without excuse. I should have gotten right, but I got mad and I walked out and I did not heed the gospel. Amen. Amen. Bible preaching opens the heart of them that will receive it and shuts the minds of them that will refuse it. Amen. Gospel demands repentance. Repent. You. Do it. Do it now. The kingdom of God's at hand. If you're going to get right with God, you better do it now. If you're going to do anything for God, you better do it now. You're going to learn to love the Lord, you better do it now. Do it now. The kingdom of God's at hand. There is a sense of urgency in Bible preaching. Yes, sir. 
This philosophical foolishness of, well, you know, my kids, I'm not going to tell them to do nothing for God. You know, they'll make up their own minds and I don't want them to do anything like they're coerced to do anything, you know. And I want them, you know, to make up their own minds about everything. It's amazing how you didn't let them make their own minds up as to whether or not they want to brush their teeth or whether or not they want to take a bath more than once a week. You made up their minds for them. You said, get in there and get yourself cleaned up. I'm not going to have some stinking pig around this house. You brush your teeth and comb your hair and take a bath we're not a bunch of hogs living in a barn you're going to be a civilized human being put your clothes on quit running around like a savage I mean that's the way that you dealt with those things then why when it comes to church do we say well you know if he wants to go I'll let him make up his own mind when he gets to be a grown up that is foolishness that's out of hell friend the Bible approach is it's urgent hell is uh, my friend hell is moving death is coming hell is moving our children are in trouble can you bear to let them go there's a sense of urgency the Bible preaching amen Bible preaching causes us to get in the altar and weep over our lost loved ones amen yes sir Bible preaching calls for a change John's message is one of change, an urgent change. Do it and do it now. Jesus preached just like him. Luke chapter 13, Jesus said they were present at that season. Some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus answering said unto them, suppose ye... That those Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? Do you think that those Galileans were not right with God because they came under suffering? Jesus said, Nay, I say unto you, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You know what Jesus said? Quit worrying about your brother and your sister and your neighbor and everybody else. And you get right with God or you're going to go to hell. Sure as the world. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think they were sinners above all men in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. Turn from who you are. Romans 2 and 4, how despisest thou? Do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering? Not knowing the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? You gotta repent and God wants you to and he's merciful just to allow you to. There was a time when preachers preached on sinners in the hands of an angry God that turned this nation upside down with it. Now we would turn the preachers out for it. There was a time when men who preached like that became icons in American culture and history. And now they have become outcasts, even amongst religious circles. And brother, it ain't a problem with the preacher and it's not a problem with the preaching. It's a problem with us. John 1 and 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. You have a sin problem that needs dealing with. And Jesus is the only one that can do it. John's method, John's message, number three this morning, John's mission, verse number three, the Bible says, For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. What was John's mission? To fulfill the prophecy. The prophecy said there would be one, only one. It had been 400 years since it had one. 
It had been 400 years since the last prophet of God was sent unto his people. Malachi, and by the way, the last message he preached was, there's one coming that'll be the forerunner of Christ. The last message he preached was about John. And the next preacher that came on the scene was John. And the next preacher was just one preacher. There was nobody else doing it. Nobody else was preaching the gospel except for John. Nobody else was preaching that Jesus was coming except for John. But praise God, there was one. Amen. When there was only one, there was one and if it gets down in this day to where there's just one I want to be the one John's mission was to preach and not only preach that Jesus was coming but to preach to prepare you the way of the Lord make his path straight get things right with God Jesus is coming make the path straight now when it says to make the path straight this word straight comes from a word meaning to be leveled off it's like it gives the idea of a motor grader coming through and pushing all the humps out. You know, you ride on some of these highways, you can tell that they were built several years ago because they do like this. I mean, all the way down through there. It's, uh, I mean, it's just like riding waves in the ocean. I mean, just up and down and up and down and up and down. And they are straight. You could draw, you could draw a string line on them. I mean, they're that straight. But they just up and down and up and down. It might be 25 miles between towns, but you'll drive 70 miles getting there just climbing up and down. I mean, it's a sight. Up and down, up and down. You know what they'll do in these days? My daddy goes out there the years, for years building roads. They'll take the top cut the top of the hill off and dump it in the valley. And then they'll take the top of the next hill off and dump it in the valley. You know what they're doing? They're leveling it off. And all around around you might be up and down and up and down and up and down. But I'll tell you where the way is. It's straight. It's level. It's equal. Whether you are rich or poor, the way is straight. Whether you are educated or uneducated, the way is straight. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, the way is straight. Black or white, the way is straight. It means to be leveled, to made even, to be put on equal footing. It carries with it the implication that this must be done urgently, immediately. The religion of the day was layered with self-righteousness of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. The law demanded sacrifices of sorts but could not be bring redemption of salvation. The government of the time was a tiered system with Romans and Jews and rulers and subjects, big and small. But John's message was the way is straight. It's the ground is level at Calvary. Oh, praise God. His preaching declared all men everywhere to repent. His message was to remind us that all men are sinners in need of a Savior. His message was your only hope is God and your only way to God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, praise His sweet name. And John 1 and 22 then said they unto Him, Who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us what sayest thou of thyself he said I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness make straight the way of the Lord as said the prophet Isaiah our mission is much the same as John's not to draw attention to ourselves but declare the one of the gospel Jesus Christ that there's salvation in him and in no other friend no other you being a Baptist does not make you any more fit subject for heaven than it would be if you were Hindu Amen. You could serve false gods and grow up in a Sunday school room at Truth Baptist Church and be just as lost either way. The ground is level. What will you do with Jesus is what's going to matter. Amen. Matthew 28, that's what our gospel is supposed to be. 
Same as John's. It's what our mission is to be. Jesus speaking to them saying, that is to the church saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Observe, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Our mission must be the same as John's. To help every lost sinner know they're as lost as lost can be. And there's one Savior that is their only and all sufficient hope. Amen. And our preaching ought not to cause, when I say preaching in this sense, I don't just mean delivering the message, but our message, our gospel, our testimony, our witness ought not to cause some folks to feel good about themselves and others to feel bad about themselves. It ought to just cause everybody to look to Jesus. That's right. I don't preach this morning to make you feel good about being a Baptist. I know preachers who do that, and I try not to invite them to come preach for me. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. And I even tell some of them that I know are good preachers, but sometimes get off on riding that hobby horse, that I'm not interested in it. I am interested in people knowing Jesus. Amen. 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 We're going to have a baptism this evening. And we may preach a bit about John's baptizing and what baptism is. But my friend, we're not looking to make Baptists out of people. Some of the meanest people I know are Baptists. Don't need to convert you to being a Baptist. Not real sure if I'm converted to being a Baptist. All I know is that I know Jesus and I'm in love with Him. He is your answer to my. It's not Baptist churches. It's not Truth Baptist Church. It's not preacher powers. It is Jesus that is your answer. And we need to quit speaking of ourselves and our denomination and our ideas and our thought processes and our philosophies and our doctrines and my friend, our way of doing everything and point them to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. If I could say one thing, it would say he, I would say he's the best thing. If I had only one word, Jesus would be heard. He's really all that matters. John's method, John's message, John's mission, number four, and I'm finished. Y'all can take a deep breath now. John's mantle. Verse number four, the Bible said, in the same John, and that's important to know because there's more than one John in the Bible when y'all read now. The same John had his raiment of camel's hair. What a jacket to wear. Do y'all remember somebody recently that we preached about who wore a coat of hair? Does anybody remember that? Elijah, that's right. He wore a coat of hair. The only person I can find in the Bible in the Old Testament that it said specifically about him that he wore a coat of hair. And I don't know exactly what kind of hair it was that he was wearing, but my guess is it probably was not sold off the rack at the uh, storefront at Saks Fifth Avenue. My guess is that it would not have been on display in the window shops in Times Square. I mean, it probably was a little bit out of touch with the fashions of the day. The goofies that walk up and down the runways in Paris and New York and London would not have been wearing the latest version of Elijah's hair coat up and down those runways while they were modeling. 
Amen. By the way, those models wear some weird clothes anyhow. And if you wear what they wear, you're probably going to look like a nut. Amen. I mean, back a couple of years ago, they had grown men modeling up and down them runways wearing onesies. Some of y'all see that kind of stuff. I mean, it looked like a set of uh, coveralls with the sleeves and the legs cut out of them. Amen. And this was supposed to be the latest in men's fashion. I sure am glad it didn't catch on. Because I sure never would have wanted to caught up with that fashion. Amen. Looked like a 220 pound toddler. Amen. Lord, have mercy at the foolishness they wear. John the Baptist didn't care if he fit in or not. John the Baptist, well, let's put it into Harrelson kind of Hebrew. John the Baptist was the kind of guy that didn't mind wearing his liberty overalls to the preacher's meeting on Monday morning. And everybody kind of thought it was a little strange. Sat down with a smorgasbord to eat and he brought his own meal with him because he's a little bit of an oddball. They asked him, what did you bring? It must have been good. The buffet looks great up there. And he said, I don't eat off that thing. I don't trust all that food in these big places. Don't know who's been handling it, what kind of life they lead. Amen. Oh, some of you, you worried if you drop an M&M on the floor and you eat at restaurants and there ain't no telling where that food's been. That's exactly right. And who's been handling it? Hmm. I just pick my M&M up and blow it off. Them things got a hard candy coating on them. Amen. And they are precious. You don't want to throw them away. Hallelujah. TJ does the same thing with his Oreos. He picks them up and licks his finger and mashes all the crumbs to make sure they're not left on the floor. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. You laugh at us. John the Baptist brought locusts and wild honey with him. He's got his... He's got his dried locust he caught in the wilderness. He's wearing his camel hair coat at the preacher's meeting. And he's dipping that locust in some honey that he caught out of a rock somewhere in the wilderness. And he's running down his hand. And he's licking his fingers. And somebody said, that right there is the biggest preacher in the country. Oh, somebody, there is no way. He's not couth. He's not refined. He don't fit in. He's just a little bit too much. I mean, he's excessive. He's a nut. He's far out. Oh, but he had God on his life. We are in a day where we think we've got to take a have our preacher and turn him into an automaton. We've got to make a Stepford wife out of him. We've got to make a GQ model out of him. Oh, and what we need is men full of the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm not opposed to wearing good suits. I'm wearing one this morning. Matter of fact, I think this one, that, that one here's got a Tommy Hilfiger label inside of it. Amen. Bought straight off the clearance rack for 75% off. Amen. Buddy, I'm telling you, I'm not against wearing a nice suit. I like wearing nice suits. I like wearing nice ties. I like wearing floor some wingtip shoes. But that does not make a preacher. A lot of fellows standing in the courtroom that drink all weekend long as drunks and they're lawyers on the weekdays and they wear nice suits and ties and they're not full of the Holy Ghost. I want to have the power of God on my life. Amen. Amen. 
John's mantle was not so much in what he wore. What he wore discounted him. What he wore, his outward appearance, his nature, he was uncouth. He was a mountain man. He was a wilderness man. He was not the kind of person that would have caused everyone to stand up and salute when he walked into a room. The reason why that people paid attention to John was because he had a message from God and the Holy Ghost on his life. The mantle of hair didn't make it. It was the mantle of the Holy Ghost that made it happen in his life. Elijah was the same kind of guy. A sheep herder. A mountain man. Rough around the edges. Amen. Not schooled in the king's way of doing things in his court. Didn't always have the best manners. Pointed his fingers in the king's face. That's right. He'd eat food after the birds had done flown it around. Didn't have the best manners. And I'm not preaching against having manners. I'm for them. You know anything about me? You know I am for manners. I get irritated at people with poor manners. I think you ought to learn the best you can. Amen. And you ought to try not to be grating on other people. You ought, not, you ought to try not to be imposing on them by your manner being so poor. But the Holy Spirit was not in, jo- in John's manner or in his physical manner, mantle or his coat. His, his, his presence was in the Holy Ghost that dwelt on him. His mantle was special not for his earthly value, but for the power that rested on his life. Luke 1 and 17, the Bible said, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, that is Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Matthew Wilson, we got to have a spirit-filled preacher if we're going to deal with sinners who need the spirit to deal with their hearts so that they might deal with a Savior. May we have some men of God full of power again. Matthew 11 and 14, if you will receive this, Jesus said, this is Elias, that is Elijah, which was for to come. He was like Elijah. He had a mantle of power about him. Does anybody remember what happened to the mantle when Elijah went away? Chariot of fire took him off into heaven. The Bible said that the mantle of Elijah fell from heaven. Oh, and there Elisha is. He said, I want a double portion. And Elijah said, it's a very hard thing you've asked. But said, if you'll be there when I go away, he said, I'll give it to you. And that mantle fell from Elijah. Oh, you know what that mantle was? It was evidence that Elisha had been with Elijah when he went off into heaven. And he said, here it is. Elijah, my master, said, if I'd be here when he went away, I'd have the double portion. This lets everybody know I was here when he went away. Hallelujah. And he began to take that mantle and he held it up, went back to that river Jordan, and my friend got it ready to smite the rivers. And he said, Where is the God of Elijah? And he smote the river, hither and thither, and it parted. And the Holy Ghost of God reminded him that the same spirit that dwelt upon Elijah had dwelt also in a double portion upon Elisha. Heaven, the leaves to the kingdom of 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 heaven, the leaves to
Hey, hey, oh God, help us put that on this front. Oh, it's big enough for you. I had to take that one out. You wouldn't be too big for it. I put the mantle on, put the coat on. Don't ever be ashamed to wear a coat. Don't ever be ashamed. Somebody said, all the old time preacher, that old time church, that old time way is out of touch. That's just not fitting in in our day. I've had a camel's hair coat. That's not fitting in. That's not what the world's calling for. That's not what everybody thinks is the stuff. That's not what they're wearing in Paris and Hollywood and to London and New York. Don't ever be ashamed to wear the coat. Don't ever be ashamed to put on the mantle. Don't ever be ashamed to be labeled as an old time Christian. As one who follows Jesus. And we're not following John. We're following Jesus. John just gave us an example. And if we'll be like John, we'll also follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't be ashamed to wear the coat. Amen. Don't be ashamed to put on the mantle. Hallelujah. Yes, preacher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me see if this will be good. I wish this morning, listen, matter of fact, every one of you, young people, is 25 and under, I want you to stand. This morning, all of you is 25 and under. Don't you old folks like me look around now and realize we are almost outnumbered. Young ones are going to take over. Some of you can't talk to stay standing. Some of you can't give it to me. But I'll never be ashamed to wear the jacket. I'll never be ashamed to wear the mantle. Are you listening? Kirsten, that's not real stylish. That's not real stylish for somebody that's as pretty as what you are. But listen to me. Don't ever be ashamed to wear the coat. Come here, buddy. Get in here with mom and let her wrap that coat around you. And don't ever be ashamed to put it on your children. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't ever be ashamed to put on the coat, to wear the mantle. Are you listening to me? Praise God. Hey, hey. He looks even better than that than you did. Amen. Praise God. That looks so good on you. I'm about ashamed to take it back, buddy. Praise the Lord. Don't ever be ashamed. Hey. Are you listening to me? You little boys and girls, don't ever be ashamed to wear the coat. Amen. Don't ever be ashamed to let the Lord work in your life. Don't ever be ashamed. You children, grab, come on in here close. Oh, look at that. Hallelujah. And I know it's just the old preacher's coat. Matter of fact, it's sweaty. And it's all sticky on the inside. Don't ever be ashamed of the old time coat. Don't ever be ashamed to wear it. This is not what I planned on preaching. Put that on right there. Y'all don't be ashamed ever to wear the mantle. Matter of fact, I know it looks like it's a little bit too big, don't it? It looks like it's a little bit too big. Share it with the gentleman here beside you and with the girls beside them. Let them put it on there. Don't ever be ashamed. Are you listening to me this morning? Those of you who are of many years, some of you have worn the mantle in days past. And right now in your life, you're living like you're ashamed to have it on. Put it back on. Rise up again and serve the Lord. Praise God, son. That's right. Caitlin, don't ever be ashamed. 
Don't ever be ashamed. There's folks will tell you a million times over how sorry and no count, no good that your daddy and every other old time preacher is. Don't ever be ashamed of the mantle, girl. Don't ever be ashamed. Pass it on down here and let these other boys and girls wear that mantle just a moment. Ain't nothing in my coat. What nothing in John the Baptist's coat. But the mantle that was on him. Oh, Jake's so big, he'll bust the seams. Put it on your shoulders at least. Don't be ashamed to wear the mantle. Don't be ashamed, hallelujah, to put it on. Had to be an old time Christian. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you listening to me? Am I preaching right this morning? Hallelujah. Thank God. Some of y'all way under too big to wear the preacher's suit. But you're not too big to wear the mantle. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Come here, son. You and, and Julie are small enough. Y'all can get in it together. Hallelujah. Look at there. That's where we ought to be anyhow. Together wearing the mantle one with another. Anointed of God. Serving the Lord. Somebody say amen. Hey, thank God. Daddy, you know what y'all to do? Y'all to take your children put them up under that mantle. And gather them together with you and not be ashamed to wear the, the, the mantle of old time religion and of being spirit filled and having the Holy Ghost in your life. Hallelujah. Bring them on to church. Bring them on to Sunday school. Teach them about the things of God. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Put the mantle on. Put the old time away on. Live the old time way. And don't be ashamed of it. Amen. Thank God. Oh, yes. This little one here I call shrimp all the time. Scrimp usually. Don't ever be ashamed to wear the mantle. Don't ever be ashamed to be an old time Christian. Don't ever be ashamed of the old time preacher and the old time way. I mean always live for the Lord Pass it along here Praise God We're going to let every one of them try it on And wear it Amen Hallelujah Don't ever be ashamed Don't ever be ashamed To wear the mantle Brother you can't put it on But you can lay it on Hallelujah That mantle He'll outgrow my mantle there Praise God Don't ever be ashamed To have that mantle on your life To wear the label of old time Christian Don't ever be ashamed to put it on. Don't be ashamed to be identified in the old time way. Don't be ashamed to be noticed, to be recognized, to be pointed out, to be different. Dare to be a danger. Dare to serve God. Dare to be different than what everybody else is to serve the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got some young people that's looking at getting married around here. Amen. Hallelujah. And you need to listen. Listen here is going to get baptized tonight. And they're looking at getting married at next spring. Don't ever be ashamed to wear the mantle, young man. Put on the mantle. Wear the label of old time Christian. And never regret it and never turn back from it. Lead your family in the way of God. Be spirit filled. Love Jesus more than anything in the whole wide world. Amen. Pass the mantle on to that one that you're to lead in the ways of the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't ever be ashamed to wear the mantle. To be labeled as an old time Christian. To say, yes, I am one of them. Don't be ashamed to wear the mantle. Let's pass it along. i got a couple of others I want to give that same charge to here this morning. Hallelujah. 
As I said, someone looking to get married. And this morning, don't ever be ashamed to wear the mantle, young man. Don't be ashamed to live for Jesus. Don't be ashamed to walk with God. Don't be ashamed to be an old-time Christian. Don't be ashamed to wear the coat that does not fit and does not go along with and does not belong in and does not, uh, does not settle in with what the rest of this world does. And when you wear it, pass it along to that one that's looking to you for spiritual leadership and together hand in hand and to side by side follow after the things of the Lord. I stay close to God in prayer one with another and serving God. If I could tell you how much I love you, I really would. But oh, what I'd really like for you to do is stay near the cross. And then the Lord will take care of everything in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen to me, young man. Wear the mantle. You got on a nice coat, but take it off. Hallelujah. Wear the mantle, young man. Wear the mantle. Put it on. Don't be ashamed. Some of y'all don't know this. Some of y'all don't understand what I'm saying this morning, but TJ knows. Getting to follow me around all over the place and carry my coat and and uh, take my Bible in and out and whatever is a blessing and it's a curse. You get to know a whole lot of people and whatever. But there's people that loves Him just because He's my nephew. Then there's folks that'll hate Him and never let Him preach for Him just because He's my nephew. And I am nothing but some of them hates the preaching that I've preached and like I've preached here this morning. But I want to tell you, don't be ashamed of my bonds and don't be ashamed to wear the mantle. Amen. Oh, dear God, send a double portion of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Don't be ashamed to wear the mantle. Don't be ashamed of the bonds that come. Don't be ashamed of the label and the markings that come with being an old-time Christian. I've tried to preach what the Lord's laid on my heart and completely got off track of what I was preaching, but I've done what the Lord told me. Everybody stand. Everybody stand with us this morning. I preach what the Lord put on my heart this morning. Oh, John the Baptist, would somebody this morning look toward heaven and say, Dear God, I need a double portion. Oh, I've got to have the Holy Ghost on my life. Would there be some young families, maybe some mamas and daddies, and maybe some people at seas and been living for the Lord for a lot of years, but you've gotten cold and complacent and careless and lackadaisical. Hey, you're about halfway living for God and halfway serving God, halfway worshiping, and you're not giving God your best, and you need to get again in this altar and say, Oh God, give me the mantle. Oh Lord, let me wear the label. Oh God, let your spirit move in my life. Make me your servant and help me to live for you. Somebody needs to pray. Everybody needs to pray. Anybody needs to this morning, you obey the Lord. Folks are coming around this building and should be and filling these altars this morning. Please be obedient to the Lord if you've never been saved. There'll never be a better time in your life to get right with God than right now. There'll never be a better time in your life to repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand than right now. Right now, if you need to pray this morning, I'd beg you to come. I'd implore you to be obedient to the Lord. Sing for us when you're ready. Have thy affections been nailed oh God, to have the mercy. cross? Is thy heart right with God? Countest thou all 
things oh, Lord, for Jesus, but loss is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in thy crimson flood, cleansed and made holy. Lord in the meeting. 